0: If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and
1: listen in to your host, international best-selling author,
0: Susan Friedman.
1: Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a multiple best-selling author, survival trainer, marketer, and international rodeo champion. Brady Patterson spent years honing his skills as an affiliate manager and has supported multiple companies to scale beyond seven figures using joint ventures, including growing the Entrepreneurs International Network from 10,000 members in four cities to over 150,000 members in 31 cities and five countries. Currently, he is the Director of Strategic Partnerships of the number one joint venture network for coaches and consultants where he teaches entrepreneurs how to build a solid referral network for their business, where to find those partners, and how to generate six and even seven figures through cultivating authentic relationships. Brady, what an absolute pleasure it is to welcome you to the show. And thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor.
0: I'm super excited because my bio obviously needs a slight update in that A big part of our audience also includes authors. To me, this was such a perfect natural progression, and having had the wonderful opportunity to speak with you on the phone recently, I'm super happy to be here.
1: Authentic relationships and cultivating those. That sounds really exciting. And JVs, joint ventures, collaborations, affiliates. These are sort of words that get banded around a lot. And I think people assume that they know what they mean, but they don't. Give us the 101 (laughs) version of what these different words actually mean and how they can be meaningful to us as authors, consultants, coaches, etc.
0: If you've ever looked at the marketing space or heard the term JV or joint venture or affiliates, most people probably don't know that those are used interchangeably in the internet marketing space. But when it comes to affiliates, for example, an affiliate deal or an affiliate is someone that gets paid to promote another product, essentially. Promotion can look like a number of different things. It can be they run paid ads to somebody else's product. It could be they promote somebody else's webinar. It could be a number of different platforms, even going as far as like putting ads and things like that in flyers and such. So that would be an affiliate deal. And it's typically a very one-way thing where it's like, I pay you to promote my product. Where it gets kind of muddied is... For whatever reason, in the internet marketing space, they seem to use the term JV uh, or joint venture, and it's used interchangeably. The traditional form or sense of the word a joint venture is when two people are kind of getting into a mutual business together or a mutual business effort. You know, it's traditionally from real estate or a company merger, things like that. But in the internet marketing space, it's usually just denotes when two people are agreeing to do some form of promotions together. So I promote you, you promote me, or some concoction or recipe of different types of things that they put together. That's how it's traditionally used and how it's used in the modern sense is JV, affiliates, joint venture. They're all kind of used interchangeably when it comes to coaches, consultants, authors. That's just the terminology we use.
1: I'm starting to get involved in this space now, as you rightly know, and that's how mm-hmm. we met. I think before, it used to be sort of like an elite group who used to be able to do these joint ventures with each other and nobody else was allowed in. But now that space is different. Talk to us a little more about that.
0: That's a good question. So in the past, I think when people started marketing online, the early adopters very quickly learned that they could support each other and make a lot more revenue when you're plugging holes in your marketing calendar. For example, they might promote themselves once a month or twice a month, but then the other parts of the month still had space. And so those early adopters quickly learned that, well, I can find other people who are good at marketing, and they can fill that platform or that, that spot so that you know I can continue to earn revenue even when I'm not promoting something. And one of the benefits of that, for those of you that aren't familiar and those of your audience that aren't familiar with uh, this particular type of product, is when you market somebody else's product as an affiliate, you don't have to do the delivery. Basically, you're sending out a promotion, you're putting it in front of somebody else and they handle the payments, they handle the delivery, they handle all the refunds. If there is that, They all of those things are, are hands-off. So it simplifies that part of the process. When we come back to what happened in you know the past decade or so is people started looking at, joint ventures are working really well for these bigger players. But at the end of the day, there's a limited pool of folks that are at that level. And they started kind of trickling down and teaching these strategies and telling their students, their friends about these different pieces and encouraging them to play at the same time. And so what's happened is there's popped up all these different groups that can collaborate and look for ways by which they can support each other. And it's allowed us to reach a lot more people than ever before. This year in particular has seen an explosion with the everything that's going on in the world. Being online right now, more than any other time. When you're marketing a service-based product or information-based products, like a book, now is more critical than ever. All these different strategies have come out where now everybody can participate. So in the past, it was, you know, the first big one was telesummits, for example, or one of the bigger ones. And for some people will know what I'm talking about. Other people like, what's a telesummit? I know what Zoom is, or I know what a virtual summit is, but what's this telesummit? Well, years ago, they used to get on the phone and we would call into these big conference lines and. People would do essentially what is a webinar now on a phone call. This whole world has evolved to where now the marketing channels and the different marketing strategies have expanded, and we've learned more about what people are actually looking for, how they want to consume our information, whether it's in a book format, whether it's in a a virtual format, or whether it's a podcast. And this has allowed us to be able to share each other more than in any other time in history.
1: And that's so exciting. And the fact that, Authors have got, as you know, many of my listeners are nonfiction authors, and they have a message. And they need to spread that message to, I call them niche markets and penetrate those niche markets. Using collaboration, using JV, joint venture partners is a way for them to do that. But the question is, how do they even get started in this?
0: The biggest thing I uh... I think to get started is to start having conversations with people that you want to work with or have the particular audience that you're looking for. One of the big examples I would say is, like for us, our big audiences, coaches, consultants, authors, and speakers. I like to look for people that have a similar audience, right? So Susan, you're one of those people. You have your audience. You have a group of authors, right? They're knowledge-based, they're wisdom-based, they have their expertise, I will look for people like that because that's where I can help the most. If somebody's just starting, they want to start looking for people that share a similar audience. And a lot of times folks will drop into this idea of competition. I believe that competition is dead, and if you build a business strictly to compete, that you're designing it to just basically fail. When you have an information product or you're selling knowledge wisdom, when you have a product like that, competition is dead. It doesn't matter because no matter what you do, there's always a group of people that won't want to buy from you, but that still need that particular product. When you find somebody with a similar market, a similar audience, you can say, hey, look, these people aren't buying from me, but they have wisdom and knowledge to get into the world. Will you help them? And then you can promote them to another group that's doing the same thing. And it can be the exact same product. One of the companies I represented for many years was a course creation company. And during that time, I think we promoted something like seven or eight other course creation companies, and most of them multiple times a year. Because while the message that my client was putting out was landing for the people that were buying, there was a ton of people that loved the contents, but didn't resonate with him, right? Or loved him, but didn't necessarily want the content. And he's trying to find where these things fit together. That's probably the number one thing is start to find people with your most similar audience and start to have conversations about how you can support each other.
1: And I think that's a very important message is the fact that don't worry about the competition. I know that authors get very upset and it's like, oh, I don't want to give stuff away for free because, you know, then people have it and if then they're not going to buy. I'm like, no, no, just give the information away. Because it's not about that. You can get oodles of information. More that you can drown in information on the internet. But it's more the relationship that you build with someone, and that is going to make that special. And we talked about yes, cultivating authentic relationships. I love that that phrase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mistakes. I mean, this is just wide open, this arena for mistakes. Let's talk about some of the ones, the common ones that we could easily fall into.
0: You said that. and It's funny. It is wide open because this area of joint ventures is basically the last frontier of internet marketing. So it's like the wild west of internet marketing. And so people kind of often run fast and loose. Some of them, probably the biggest mistakes people get are overcommitting to things. They get excited. They learn about what joint ventures are and then they can collaborate. They basically start taking on everything they can and they way overcommit what they can do. It's like any other thing bit like as a business owner an author is no different. It's just a different representation, right? Is they need to be able to take their knowledge and market it. Well, if they're promoting other people instead of themselves, then they're doing themselves a disservice. So that's probably the first big mistake people make is promoting too many other people and not promoting themselves enough because while it's great to... like, You can earn affiliate revenue and things like that by promoting others. I've had a number of conversations with some of the larger players. And really, they start making... Where the affiliate income exceeds their own income doesn't really happen until an email list essentially crosses about a million. You have to have a very large email list before your affiliate income exceeds your own internal revenue. And that makes way more sense to us. That's the first big mistake people make. I would say... The second one is follow-up. I I would say that's probably actually the biggest mistake that people make is no matter where they get in and no matter what level they're at, because I've seen people that are very good at what they do and have been doing joint ventures for years, but are unable to do effective follow-up. And when you have poor follow-up with joint ventures, then nothing really happens and it can ruin the relationship. It is really bad for the email list and the audience that's listening to the content it can be quite damaging. And the biggest thing to look for in that particular space and when you're looking at structuring and following through on a joint venture deal is just you really have to pay attention to the details and you have to record everything, put it all in writing so it's very clear and you have to follow up on every little detail. If They said, you know, when you're booking it, you book the email and say, I'm gonna do the email. Email one goes out Monday at 6 a.m. And then email two goes out on Tuesday at 6 a.m. and Maybe it's a five email sequence or something, right? whenever the emails go out let's say they go out monday morning at 6am that should be in your marketing calendar you should have a calendar tracking when people are supposed to be emailing for you and then that way at 9am when you start your day if you start your day at 9am some people do some people don't if you start your day at 9am the first thing you do is check the registrations how many or check the the link traffic how many people went to that link what's happening there is there any traffic at all and if there's not you write an email immediately and say, hey, uh, I just you know noticed that we we're planning on scheduling this promotion, and the email was supposed to go out at six AM this morning, and I, I haven't seen any traffic yet. Is everything all right? Just checking in. You're not picking on people because they do something or they miss something. Because at the end of the day, as a JV partner, we're not everybody's biggest priority in the world. There's you know people getting sick. There's kids. There's dogs. There's like there's so many reasons for people not to follow through. If you can help people follow up, and you follow up. That will make you one of the most effective joint venture partners, and people will be hunting you down.
1: You said one of the biggest mistakes was over committing. And I can see that because I feel that I've gotten myself occasionally into that situation where I say, Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. And then I don't. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, that was too much. Why did I commit to that? I feel bad that I offered to do this just being nice and not really thinking this through enough. Is there a level of how many of these you should be doing, especially in the beginning, so that you don't get into that situation where you overcommit?
0: Well, I think the first thing you need to do is decide on your own personal promotional schedule. So if you want to be promoting once a month or twice a month, whatever it ends up being, within the timeframe that you do, right? So We all need to choose the particular promotional schedule we need and then also make sure we have break time because as creatives, as entrepreneurs, we also need our downtime. And I think that's neglected a lot. And the more downtime where we can recharge, the more effective we can be when we do those webinars. So for example, we tend to run on a 17-week calendar where we promote really hard for five weeks. Then we do some training, teaching, delivery, and then we do an event. And then we have the following up of the events and the cleanup. And then we take some vacation. And we start again, we promote really heavily during those five weeks where we don't promote anybody else, because all we're doing is webinars, promoting an event training, something we're doing something podcasts, where we're doing a lot of of outreach to different audiences. But then for the rest of the time, I'm happy to promote people. And some people's schedule might be they just want to do it once. So like they want to promote themselves the first week of the month, or the last week of the month, and then for three weeks, they can promote and do whatever they want. And I would say that most likely, and everybody's audience is going to be slightly different because some people will get known for, well, they promote summits. And so their audience will tend to respond to summits to a certain extent. And you can actually start to see it as you add too many things, people start to unsubscribe or they stop just opening your emails at all. And so it becomes important to watch how your audience responds when you send emails. I would say it's a spectrum. I mean, I like doing no more than about three summits a year. I like doing maybe no more than two or three gift giveaways if we're doing participating in a giveaway or a bundle package, something like that. And then I, of course, like to promote us quite a lot. That leaves me room for about 16 to 20 weeks a year to promote other people's products, not counting the giveaways and summits and things like that. And that's the particular format that I like. But I know plenty of people starting out where they get into a little group of four and first week of the month, everybody promotes the one person. And the second week of the month, the people that everybody promotes the second person. And the third week, everybody promotes the third person. And so, and they rotate every month. I don't recommend that. Very quickly, you'll burn through everybody's audience. But when you're first starting out, it can be a helpful tool if you form a pod and you do something like that. So you all agree that this is what's going to happen for this period of time. And I've seen authors do that where they'll choose somebody's products and they'll lose like, they're some sort of book launch and they'll all get behind each other and they'll promote this person's book launch on the week one and then every, this person's book launch on week two and so on and so forth. So the same strategy can apply. And as you watch how they're responding, as your audience is responding to stuff, you can start to figure out what it is they like. Because you might promote a giveaway and nobody likes that. They don't respond. You cut out giveaways or you limit it to once a year. You, know, you might find that they love summits and that you don't get any unsubscribes. And so you... Add another summit. So instead of doing three, you do one a quarter and then nobody unsubscribes. So you add a fifth one. There is a lot of testing involved to see what people like and what they don't. The biggest thing is just I particularly like running my own promotions. I like to be the summit host. I like to be the giveaway host. I like to be the webinar host. I like to be that person because then I I know that I can control the situation much more effectively and I know that I'm going to capture all the leads from the promotion. I mean, and that one's more meta probably than, you know, that's definitely not one-on-one that's, I don't know, whatever, a, a further level here of marketing. But if you're just starting out and you've never done a joint venture and you're looking to support or you're looking for support, finding a small group of people and even could be eight people, week one, everybody promotes one person, week two, and all the way up to eight. And that way you can just rotate every two months. You have a whole other audience, right? And you do that a few times and you can dramatically increase your, your audience very, very quickly and your reach for your materials.
1: I like that. I like it. Sounds so simple. And everybody knows other people. And if you can work together, that's great. What about a specific strategy that you might use for a book? Because authors are always looking for different ways in which they can promote their book. How would this whole strategy fit in with that.
0: I like doing bonuses. For me, I would want to do something where I include they have to buy the book, for example, to get a bonus. Let's say, for example, we have an event called Collaborate, and normally Collaborate runs for. I'm mean, going give an example. This is a made up example. We haven't done this, but this is an example I would consider doing. Collaborate has a forty seven dollar ticket price. Well, if I wanted to gather a group and get them a bonus. I might gather them up and say, "Look, if you buy the book and send in the receipt, we'll give you the event for a dollar." Something to that effect where they can attend the events and get some information, but they also get the benefit of gathering the book. Now from a partnership side, at first glance for those of you that are like catching the numbers and or some of the data from before, that might not look like a super compelling promotion. But here's what happens is at the events, you build in your affiliate side to, for your partner support into the event itself. For example, Collaborate has a forty seven dollars ticket. Normally, we give one hundred percent of that away to the person who refers other people to the events. That way, we're helping people by having us shared with their audience, right? So you know, for example, if you refer somebody, Susan, and somebody comes, I pay you forty seven dollars. And it's just because I appreciate that connection. And it gets people in front of new materials, new awarenesses, new wisdom. That becomes one of the valuable things. And as an author, when you're marketing a book, if you have an event you can plug it into, like maybe you can get it included as a bonus at somebody else's events, like they can get a discount. You could even waive that. Somebody could contact me and say, Hey, Brady, I want to send people to collaborate and I want them to buy my book and do that. Can I get them a dollar ticket? Well, since I'm sending you, the $47 ticket upfront anyway, like when they buy a ticket, I don't mind discounting it. I mean, that's fine because it gets you what you're looking for, right? If I break that down again, just to outline it, if I need a book promoted, I can include a $1 ticket to collaborate, for example, as part of the bonus. They have to buy my book and then they get a $1 ticket. Otherwise it's $47. And then they have to still buy the book, right? I can do that And then when they come to the events, that's how they get rewarded for coming to the events. It becomes like a really easy one-shot promo where you, you can leverage other people's events as long as you have the connection and the conversation with someone beforehand that happens to be running an event. So this happens to be one strategy. Oh my gosh, there's so many different ways that you could promote books, as you're well aware.
1: Absolutely. But this is a different way and something that hopefully listeners, your ears are poking up here and you may need to listen to this episode a few times to just really get your head around everything that Brady is sharing here because it's incredible information and I'm just getting involved right at the beginning level of understanding all this. Brady's being very helpful. Brady, how can our listeners find out more about you and the different events you run, take it away. Tell us how they can contact you.
0: The easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn at Brady Patterson. You'll see me. I'm wearing black glasses. I got my curly hair. That's probably the simplest way to find me. Our events and how you find me as far as outside of that, offline, is you can check us out at the jvinsidercircle.com. Those are probably the two easiest ways to track me down. You know, if you're interested in some of the wacky or other stuff I did, like for my bio, like you know, haven't done the rodeo thing for a while, but, but outdoorsmen, the survival stuff, you can always check out my Instagram, which is just Brady Patterson. Those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. And then, if they really want to check out what this is all about and kind of dip their feet into what it is to actually look at doing a joint venture and doing collaborations, we actually run an event called Collaborate, and we bring. 300 people 250 300 people somewhere in that range together they get to spend three days we joke about it but there's a there's a truth to it it's kind of like speed dating for joint ventures you know it's like we bring people together so that they can find out very quickly who they want to work with and we specifically do it this way in a rapid fashion because the more people you can talk to about this the clearer you can get so much more effectively by the time you're, you're going through this, when you come out of that, you know the type of joint venture partner that you want. You know how to talk about joint ventures, about your particular joint venture offer, and what you're doing if you're looking for, to promote a book or something like that. You can be very, very clear on all those pieces, and that makes you far more prepared. I mean, we've had people make 5, 10, 15, 20 new joint venture partners from a single event. So it's one of the most effective ways to start really getting into this joint
1: venture world. I just attended a collaborate event and, you know, obviously, as we know, that's how you and I met and I was like blown away at the connections and you're right, this sort of speed dating for joint ventures and partnerships and I met some amazing people and it's almost like I wanted to do something with all of them, but I knew that I couldn't or wouldn't because their audience isn't necessarily my audience and vice versa. But there were people, and I've already spoken with a few, as a result of this, we're looking to get together and do something together. In fact, I think I've got my first collaborate event with somebody in December, in early December. It's exciting. Very, very exciting. I highly recommend listeners that you follow through, and uh, we're going to put a link in the show notes for... Is that another Collaborate event that's going on? What are we linking them to, Brady?
0: Yeah, so we actually run several Collaborates a year. And I wanted to make sure this didn't die after a single listen. We run multiple promotions a year. This link will be active for 2021 for sure, if not beyond. And it, this will register for, them for the Collaborates for the next one coming up. So there's one in January. There's one in March. There's another one in May, in July, so on and so forth. And hopefully, we really would love to have a live event again next year. But uh, in person, we love seeing people in person. I'm missing the physical contact of people. The link in the show notes will take you right to the next events ticket.
1: Excellent. Yes, and the event that I went to was a virtual event, but it was still dynamic. We were broken up into the breakout rooms, and it was just like opening a gift because you just didn't know who was going to be in the room there and what exciting, you know, adventure you'd be on. I highly recommend it. Brady, if you could leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be? If you're going to do joint
0: ventures, the biggest thing you needed to do is take your time and make sure that you follow through and cross all the I's and dot all the T's. And so the golden nugget is around structuring your conversation and i train people this all the time it takes an hour phone call really to set up a joint venture the first time for your first ever call take an hour take your time because it really does take about 20 minutes to explain what you're doing to somebody and then it does take about another 20 minutes for you to fully understand what it is that they're saying and what they're doing and that leaves you about 20 minutes to hunt for intersections the reason we leave this time is I've had calls that have stretched for, you know, we're at like 56 minutes into the call and I can't find anything yet. 57 minutes. Now I'm like, Oh, I, like, I, I feel there's something here. And the person mentions something offhand that doesn't even have anything to do with the particular thing that we're looking for. And it triggers something. And all of a sudden the door opens and we may have to have a second call to hash out the details, but we're able to, in that first call, find the connection between us and be able to deepen and build a real relationship, an authentic relationship. And that way, anything after happens much more easily, much more quickly. And the other calls don't even have to be calls. The follow-ups can be through email and things like that. But that first call, you really want to get to know the person that you're talking to. And that's, that's what I would recommend as a golden nugget, is really just take your time.
1: Yes. And having experienced that just recently where I had that conversation and I had exactly the same, this reaction is like, I'm not sure that there's anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, this this lady was giving me contacts and we were sharing information. And I was like, okay, that's what it's about. Yeah. You just never know. Brady, great wisdom. Listeners, as I said, you're going to have to listen to this episode a few times to really get your head around everything but take the plunge. It's worth it. And it can be very lucrative too, from judging what Brady's able to do and what he's been able to help people with. Generate six and even seven figures. That's quite something. Any event, thank you. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. is wishing you much book marketing success.
0: The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit BookMarketingMentors.com, and we'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.